Well, good morning, church. How are you doing today? Well, that's good. Because today was the first day I sat there on the front row and I saw that bumper video and I was like, oh, I'm up. <laughs> oh, no. What do I have to say? I don't know. But for the first time, I was kind of nervous. And this is me being real with you. This is me being transparent with you. Because you see, I'm nervous, not because of the message, I'm nervous because I'm wondering if we're doing what we need to do to make sure that people are not going to hell. I'm nervous because I don't know if I'm taking all my steps that I need to be taking, which kind of leads me. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 19. John 19. We'll, we'll be there in a minute. But that's kind of what I want to talk about. But a real quick recap of what we've been talking about is Red Letter Day, which is kind of talking about what's been going on in Jesus and his words up on that cross. But before he got there, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then he was also knowing that he was getting ready to be beaten and tortured for, for us. He, was, he knew that he was getting ready to sacrifice his life for us. He had been beaten 39 times by Romans, and they were, like, they were ruthless. They were, they were just, they were nasty. And, and they were beat him with the cat of nine tails, which they say that by the end of 39, probably there were some internal organs being able to be seen or even on the outside. And they took the crown, the crown of thorns that were really big, and they shoved it on his head as an insult to say that you were a king. Well, we got something for you. Here's your crown. And then they took stakes. As long as railroad ties, if not longer, and hammered them into his legs and into his hands. And before they did that, he had to walk several miles to get up to a hill called Golgotha, meaning the skull, and carry a cross that he was going to be sacrificed on. And in the midst of all that, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they are doing. But we pick up the story where we have left off, and it says in John 19, verse 28, here's what the Bible says, Later knowing that all was now completed, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Why did he say this? What was, what was the reasoning he said, I am thirsty? Well, it's interesting that in the Old Testament, there was a prophecy that said that they would give him vinegar before he died. And that's what they did. 
They gave him vinegar to drink. In 1929, it says a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to to Jesus' lips. So they are going to give him this vinegar again to torture him while he was thirsty on the cross. I don't know about you, but I don't want someone to give me a glass of vinegar when I ask for something to drink. I don't know about you, but I don't even like vinegar that much. It's got to be malt vinegar, because if it's any type of any other vinegar, I just, I can't do it. I don't know about you. Do you like the taste of vinegar? (laughs) But that's what they gave him. On the cross, when he said, I am thirsty. When he had received the drink, Jesus said the three most amazing words. It is finished. It is finished. On the count of three, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to say this. I want you to say those three words. Because it's something that we need to remember every day we walk out our life. One, two, three. Come on, we can do better than that. I mean, this is something to actually celebrate about because we don't have to do what he did to be to have anything finished. He did it. So, ready? One, two, three. Much better, much better. Imagine in that moment when the finally it was fulfilled that very last unfulfilled prophecy, and Jesus made a triumphant cry. And he said, it is finished. It's done. Everything you have sent me here to do, God, I did. Everything you asked me to do, it's now done. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. John chapter 19, verse 30 says. He did what God sent him to do. The words, it is finished, in Greek means to tell us thy. I don't know if you can say it. I can't say it that well. But tetelestai. Can you say that? Tetelestai? All right. That means to the end, to complete, to execute, or to discharge a debt. Jesus said tetelestai. I did it. I paid it. I paid the debt. It's finished, God. I did what I needed to do. This one little word has so much rich meaning. But it could have been used three different ways back then. It could have meant um, when a servant returns to his master and says, Telestai, it's finished. I've finished. I've done it. I've, I've done what you've sent me away to do. I finished it. Or the debt is cleared. It is totally paid. Or it's perfect. The, the, um, the, the uh, priest would say it's perfect. Telestai, the lamb has no blemish. At all, it's perfect. It's amazing that one word with three different meanings meant everything that he did up on those cross, on that cross. They use it three different ways back in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But that one word described everything about him. The debt was paid. The lamb was out blemish. And it is done. Three words. That's what he said. You see, history has been changed. Your mission, your work, 
God, it is completed. Everything that he asked him to do, everything that he came to do for you and I, he completed in that moment. In that moment. You may say, well, well what did he finish? So, so I want to say there's many things. There's many prophecies. Amos pro- prophesied that darkness will befall the land, and it was fulfilled. Isaiah said Jesus would one day be rejected, and he was. Psalm says he would be betrayed, and he was. Isaiah also said he would be beaten, and he was. Spit upon, he was. Wounded and bruised for our transgressions, and he was. Psalm says again that he would be mocked, and he was. Zechariah said he would be forsaken by his friends, and he was. Isaiah said he would be, that he would pray for his persecutors, and he did. And he would be crucified by thieves, and he was. Psalm said that they would cast out lots for his clothing, and they did. It also said none of his body bones were broken, and they weren't. It also said he would cry out, my God, my God, why have, they, why have you forsaken me? And he did. It was prophesied that he would be pierced. And he was. And it was also prophesied that they would give him vinegar to drink. And he said, I am thirsty. And they did. All those prophecies he fulfilled. All those prophecies had been finished. What else was finished? Well, Satan's plan was finished. Satan's plan from the beginning of Jesus' birth was to distract him, take him, and make sure that he could not fulfill what God had sent him there to do. It was finished. His plan was finished because Jesus completed what God had sent him to do. The sacrifice was perfect. The debt had been paid in full. Sin lost its Sting and power for those that are in Christ. Jesus looked up to his father and said, I finished what you sent me to do. The best news for all of us is that Jesus finished the work. That's great news. The bad news though, even though he finished, you haven't. You haven't. That's right, none of us have. Because if If you're alive today, you have not finished what he's called you to do. You have unfinished business here on this earth. There's more that God wants to do in you and through you. We all have unfinished business. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. You have unfinished business. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 through 2, it says this. And I want you to kind of, I want you to absorb this. I want you to think about it. I want you to let it sink into your spirit. And it maybe even disturb you if, if it does. I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains, and it is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Jesus was talking to a church in Revelation. We have unfinished business, church. 37 years ago, I came face to face with my Lord and Savior for the first time. I sat on the pew in the front row. I've told this story many times. It was about as orange as the orange that is in the carpet. It was one of those Baptist churches that probably fought about the colors of the church and things of that nature, but it was about that orange, the burnt orange color and I sat there listened to Pastor David and I said yes this is what I want for my life this is who I want to follow this is this is everything that I've wanted yes I was seven years old but I knew I was missing something 
I knew. And when I left that day, I was so excited. I told my parents, I told, told my friends, I went around church, and I was like, yes, I accepted Jesus. And I was acting all cool, like I thought I knew it all, and I'd be the next Billy Graham and maybe the next big-name pastor, and, 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 and then life happened. Don't laugh. That's not funny. But life happened. And then laziness set in. And my, my time with him, my intimacy with him came far in, in, in between. There was, there was other things that took place and the things that I looked at that, that I shouldn't have been looking at or, or things that were distracting me and, and things that I was thinking about and things that I was thinking about that shouldn't have been thinking about. And, and all those things distracted me from what God wanted until about 10 years ago. Look, I, I, I did the best I could during those times. I, I went to Bible college. I, I tried to learn. I, I was even a pastor at some of those times, and, but I became lazy. I became not one to take the next step. I became one that became comfortable. Anybody know anybody like that? Where we become comfortable? See, my, finished, my unfinished business is this, is to live the rest of my life. And I found this out 10 years ago. To live the rest of my life in such a way that I may continue to take step after step in my relationship with God so that my overflow will allow me to make sure that I can be a witness to everyone and make sure everyone knows God, that they find freedom, that they discover their purpose, and that they make a difference in their walk. And I want to do that. I want to walk alongside of them, and that is my unfinished business. My question today is, what is yours? When I ask that, though, I want you to look at that note card that's in your seat. And if you're wondering where the notes are, they're on the back of your connection card. And it's some blanks. And I want you to write that. When I say that, when I say that out loud, what is that? What is your unfinished business? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? No matter where you are, no matter what it is, like right now, what is that? Write that down. It may not be a huge area. It may not be something like mine, and that's okay. But what has God burdened you for? What has God burdened for you to do? Maybe God called you to adopt or foster a parent, to be a foster parent. How incredible is that? And maybe it hasn't come to pass, come to, come to pass yet. But look, look, it's something. Maybe your unfinished business is to forgive someone. Maybe your unfinished business is to share the love of Christ with someone you love who is far away from him. In the next few moments, what I want you to do is ask God and his Holy Spirit to reveal his word for you during the rest of this time. I want you to let him speak into your heart in the light of what you just wrote down. Why? Because every single day that God blesses you and I here with, is another opportunity for us to take a step closer to that purpose that he has given us. Every, every day. Before we go any further, though, I want to pray. I want to pray, and I want to just ask God to, to move all the distractions out 
and allow him to do what he needs to do in each of our hearts as we continue the message. So let's pray. Father, thank you for today. I thank you for the family that you have here. And God, I just ask right now that you will um, speak to each and every one of us. God, you will allow us to see that next step that we wrote down on the paper and what we need to do. And Father, just open our hearts, open our eyes, and open our ears to the way that you want them opened. And Father, we ask that we can live out of the tree of life right now and not the one out of tree of knowledge and good and evil. Father, just speak to us. Holy Spirit, just guide us and interrupt us when we need to be interrupted. In Jesus' name, amen. So how do we, like Christ, finish well? How do we do that when so few of us finish anything? How many finish stuff or do start stuff but don't finish it? Show of hands. Okay. I'm not the only one, but some of you, I need to get with you to figure out how we finish, how I'm supposed to finish. Because I know in today's society... It's hard to finish anything. We get distracted a lot of times. I want to give you a couple thoughts, though. Just, just write these down as, as we just seek God and we talk and, and how we can finish strong in God's kingdom. Okay, number one, we're going to make a commitment. Make a commitment. Now, I see some of your eyes already saying, I've done that. I do it every January 1st. I do it every year. I say, I'm going to lose weight, and I don't. I say that. Now, now finish the work so that, this is what first, Second Corinthians says. Finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. I believe in our culture, commitment is defined by merely eager willingness. We're willing to do it. We're willing to step out and we're willing to say we're going to make that commitment. But that's not commitment. Just saying it is not commitment. You commit, I'm going to lose weight. But friends, let me tell you. Let me show you something. This is my, I I made a claim to lose weight. This is my nightstand. (laughs) Not only is it hiding it from the rest of the people in the house. But it's mega stuff oriented. Now, how does that help me with my diet plan? Not very much. <laughs> Thank you, Clay. It, it might be too close to home for someone else. But, like, seriously, it isn't commitment until you change and you complete what your eager willingness was about. Let me, t- me kind of give you a couple commitment stories. In spring of 1519, Hernando Cortez received permission from the governor of Spain to take 11 ships and 700 men to discover the new world. They sailed all with eager willingness to expand their territories of Spain and to increase that treasure, the treasure that they would find in this new land. When they landed in Veracruz, their eager willingness left quickly because what they discovered is that there was some most savage, violent natives that they hadn't prepared for. 
All of a sudden, a crew began to dissent. They began to talk to one another and say, I want to go home. I don't like the food here. I don't like what we're doing. I don't like these people. I don't like someone chasing me to cut off my head. I want to go home. Their eager willingness was gone. When Cortez got wind of dissent, he gave an order. And this order said, burn the ships. Burn the ships. And they did. And that is commitment. That's what commitment is. Let me give you a biblical one. This is Elisha and Elijah's story. 1 Kings 19.21 says, So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. They, the, then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. You see, Elijah said to Elisha, Why do you have to go home and kiss, kiss your parents And why do you have to go home to take care of others before you come and follow me to go make a difference? And then Elisha realized, you're right. So everything that I know, I'm going to burn and I'm going to cut up so that I have nothing to go back to. Commitment. Commitment is taking your passionate desire to do something, drawing a line in the sand, stepping across that line, and there's no turning back. That is how we finish strong. When we commit with the kind of resolve, and and it's exactly what we see personified in Jesus Christ. That's what we see in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was battling over what he knew was about to happen. Scripture says that stress and agony was so intense that his capillaries started to burst. And he started to bleed and sweat blood. You hear it, and you hear it, and you hear it in his words. Listen to this. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Take this from me. Father, if there's any other way, please, like, let's change this. But then something happened. There was a switch. He said, yet, not my will, but yours be done. In that moment, it was on. If we're going to finish strong, we start with commitment. By making a commitment with great resolve, and we don't turn back. You can't see it, and this isn't for this But I just thought of an illustration. There's actually a line. It's from a tape that was up on this stage. And and let's picture this line, a bloodline. A bloodline that was sacrificed by Jesus. And there's two sides to that. There's actually three if you want to stand in the middle and play both sides of the world. But the other side is decide to make a commitment to follow him and everything that he's asked us to go do. And that right now is the commitment I'm talking about. What has he burdened you with so that you can go change this world for his kingdom? What is it? Number two, we're going to take the next step. Write that down. We're going to take the next step. 
And after that, we'll take the next step. And after that, we'll take the next step. And after that, we're going to take the next step. Because you see, that cavern, that chasm, whatever it was, that was the distance between us and God was completed by Jesus up there on the cross. Except this. God's there. We're here. We need to take a step. He's there. He's saying, welcome, welcome home. I love you. But we need to take another step. The more closer we get to him, the more we understand him. That's it. That's what we need to be doing is continuing to take step after step after step going after him. Bill Murray said something like that in a movie. Baby steps. Baby steps to the elevator. Baby steps. I don't care how large your steps are. My my heart, my passion is to see you to take those steps. That's what I want to see. In Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. You need that light in order to see the next step. But it doesn't mean it's going to be a light like the LEDs in the back or these lights where you're going to see far off in the distance. What it means is that all you're going to do is take one step at a time to find out who he is. Ten years ago, when I found myself a million miles away from, from God, it you know, I had started a long time ago to become a Christ follower. In my goodness, in the goodness of God's grace, he showed me, you just need to take a step. Brian, you need to take a step. You need to take a step. You see, at the age of 16, he told me that this, where you're at right now, not this building, but this, the Springs Church, was the step that he wanted me to take. But obviously, I'm not finished. Because now he said, I want you to go make sure that people are taking their steps. And when they take their steps, you take your step. And you see, there are steps all throughout the Springs Church that you can take. There are things that you can do to take your next step. What is it for you? Maybe for some of you, your next step is to take that first step to finding out who Jesus Christ is as your Lord and Savior. That may be your first step. And after that, you do what he continues to ask you to do. But you can do many things here. You can get into the growth track, as Emily was saying on the announcements. We have section two or step two and step three today. Doesn't mean you had to do step one to get there. Step two and step three are about finding out about you. And how he's made you. And how he's gifted you to do what he's called you to do. Maybe it's baptism, which is May 5th. It'll be our first baptism, which will be an amazing baptism. I've had two people already ask me, can I be baptized? Can I be baptized? Absolutely. Baptism isn't saying, I'm I'm following Jesus. That's not... You don't have to take the baptism step to say to follow Jesus. But it does say in following Jesus, 
do what Jesus has done, and this is baptism. It's like a ring. It's, a, it's like a circle. It's there for completion, to make a statement to everybody that is around you to say, I am a follower of Christ. That's what it is. You don't get saved when you get baptized. What you do is you are making a declaration to the world that you are a Christ follower. That's that's what you do. Maybe it's not that. Maybe your next step is to lead a life group here, which which start in June. And we'll have some trainings about that here in the near future. Maybe it's to serve on the dream team. There are people that are here that you don't see or have a name tag. And if you see them, I would say, hey, thank you for setting up service for me today. Because of what you did, I was able to come and worship my King of Kings and my Lord of Lords. Maybe it's just that you want to be able to call somewhere home. And that's your next step is to find home. Well, if we haven't said it, and if if we don't say it or you didn't hear it, I want to say this. If, if that's your step, welcome home. Welcome home. Because we, we want you here. We want you to feel like you're at home. And if it doesn't, please let us know what we can do to make you feel like you're at home. Please. Maybe your next step is going to happen today when, you know, you surrender your life for the first time. Maybe it's surrender your life in the first time in a long time like I did. I had to take 27 years of my life to figure out who I truly was. And then I understood year year 27, oh my gosh, I haven't been following you like I'm supposed to. Maybe that's you. But I know that he took a step up on that hill to carry your sin on that cross and that was his cross he took that step and that in that agony with the crown of thorns being put on his brow the thorns going into his skin he took that step with the hope that if you would say yes to a relationship with him that you would become adopted as a child of God if that's your next step I'll lead you in a prayer in a few moments. He picked that beam up, though. The beam that he knew he was going to hang on for you, for me. He picked that up. And remember that his shoulders were beaten, his body was bruised, but he still took the baby steps. And he took those steps. And he took that step. And he climbed a hill for me for you and he did that and he knew that there would be spikes going through his hands and his legs and he finished strong and he took that last step and he said father it's finished by saying those words, he said, I love you. He said, I love you. He said, I love you. And he said, I love I love you, Brian. In Philippians 1.6, it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you 
will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I want you to look and watch this video as I read this story that's about to happen or that's happened. In 1968, in Mexico City Olympics, John Stephen Aquari from Tanzania set out for hope of an Olympic gold medal in the, in the 26.2-mile marathon race. Sadly for him and his country, midway through the race, he had a horrible accident, falling to the ground, gashing his knee wide open and dislocating his knee from the joint, certainly keeping him from finishing the race. Well, all of the other runners left him behind and eventually entered into the stadium for the final lap. Over an hour after the race had been run and all of the other runners had completed, John Stephen Aquari shocked the world. When the stadium was mostly empty, this very injured runner hobbled into the stadium limping and fighting his way to the finish line. Leg wrapped with a towel with blood gushing down. This very brave hero finished a race that virtually everyone else would have quit. That's what we are going to do because we have unfinished business. And God is calling us to finish the race. After the race was won, the interviewers asked John, why did you do that when no one else would have? And John said, my country did not send me to start a race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to complete a race. He sent you here. It could be a start of your race. But he has sent you here right now. What are you doing in that race? God did not send you to this earth to just start. He sent you to finish and finish strong. Commit, take the step, and finish. How do you do it? When we get to the place where you know what our life is not about us, This is what Paul said. Look, however I considered my life worth nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task. And for him, it was the task to testifying the gospel of grace. Finish your race. If you're still alive, God is is not through with you yet. Keep in step with the Spirit. Stay close to God and follow his voice. Listen to what he's telling you to do. Commit and take the next step so one day you can stand before him and say, Telelestai, I did what you sent me to do. And he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Finish the race and finish strong. Church, we need to be a church that is not afraid to finish the race. So, on your seat, there are cards that look like this. They may not be on your seat now because you're sitting in it, but there are cards. There's two of them. If you want more, all I say is ask. Ask for more and ask more people, and more people will come. It's not about, don't think it's about the springs growing. It's got nothing to do with that. People need to know what Jesus Christ did for them up on that cross and why we celebrate Easter. Because it wasn't about the cross where he finished everything. It was about the grave that was empty the next day or three days later. 
That's what it was about. That's what it was about. To say, I fulfilled it all because I'm no longer here. And he sent someone to walk alongside of you. Holy Spirit. And not only did he send Holy Spirit, but here he sent the Springs Church. Because that's what we want to do with each and every one of you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you. What you did through Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for finishing strong for me and each and every one here. Father, there are people sitting around this room today that are running a race. They're all running it because we're all still breathing. And Father, I ask right now that you will that you will prepare each of our hearts, you will prepare each of our steps, and you will continue to send someone to stand next to us and beside us to finish strong. God, if it's through adoption, if it's through foster care, if it's through completing a, a, a degree, if it's whatever it is to finish, God, whatever they wrote down on that paper, we stand in agreement with them for them finishing strong to making that commitment because you still give us breath day after day after day. And when we take that last breath, Father, I pray that we, we can come to you and say, tell it aside. And you say, well done, good and faithful servant. And some of you today need to take that first step to start the race. And if that's you right now, I, I just want to, I want to pray with you. I want to lead you in a prayer of salvation and just want to pray alongside of you. As I just said, we don't want you to take steps alone. We want to take steps with you. If that's you, I just ask right now that you'll raise your hand so that I can know who I'm who I'm praying with. On the count of three, if that's you and you need to take that first step to following Jesus, I just ask that you will raise your hand. One, two, three. Thank you. If that's you, just let God speak to you. I'm gonna ask all of us to, to walk alongside of them and repeat this out loud as I, as I pray. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, up on that cross and thank you for the forgiveness of my sins Jesus I ask right now that you will come into my life I commit and I confess to you right now and I believe in my heart that you are my Lord and Savior Jesus, thank you for what you did. Thank you for the, taking the steps up on that cross so I didn't have to. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will guide and direct me. You will put people in my life so I can finish strong. In Jesus' almighty name, and everyone said,